is life in the fast chain season three what okay let me explain how we got here so longtime listeners of the podcast know that i started the podcast way back in 2017 i believe which feels like decades ago so i started the podcast um kind of in the beginning of our three years technically can't believe how far we've come, but I started it for listeners to kind of be on this journey through the emerging tech world with me. So being in the blockchain space, the distributed ledger technology space, at the time, I felt there were a lot of nuances that the average Joe kind of didn't really understand at the time because this was before Bitcoin boomed and people didn't understand why anyone would turn to this new technology that's hard. It's hard to implement new systems in banks and this and that and people were interested in blockchain and what was happening in this world. So I use the podcast as an opportunity to show different use cases and show what people were doing in the blockchain world. That was a long time ago so I feel that now people have They get it. You get why the technology is important, what we can do with it, what we can't do with it. And then we also at R3 have gone into confidential computing with Conclave, and the space has just changed a lot since I started the podcast. And amidst all that came COVID. So obviously years into the podcast, now all of a sudden I'm not in the studio anymore and I'm at home just like everyone else quarantining and having to deal with this new normal of working from home and not knowing when you're going to go back into the office. With that, I know that I personally had some issues with my mental health, having to stay home all the time and not knowing the next time I could see people outside of my home or if I was going to get this disease we didn't really know much about, if my family, my friends, my loved ones, even people, I, I was always reading the news and it was so depressing for a little while. And that's when I started making the mini-sodes for when people are at home alone, not having much to do. Maybe you can turn on Life in the Fast Chain and listen to myself talking to Richard Gundel Brown, for example, in London, talking about COVID, new hobbies we've picked up things we've dropped and all that, maybe we can bring some light into this crazy time. And it went on and on and on until finally things started opening up again. Um, You could go out, you could see friends, you could do things as, as long as you're being safe. And with that, I could come into the office again. So I could be back in a studio. uh, But I also couldn't force people to be in the studio with me. So Long story long, I started realizing the podcast isn't what it was when I first started. So what do I do with this now? I'm able to go into an office with a studio. I'm very lucky to do so. So now that we're here, what do I want to put out there? 
a recent episode, I had uh, Ricardo Correa on the podcast, and he was talking about how he was interested in cross-border payments because he's now in the digital assets world here at R3. But before he got there, he was sending money to his mom in Portugal when he was not in Portugal, and he had to deal with each month kind of seeing like, oh, it took X amount of days this month versus Y amount of days last month for her to get the money. This month she got X amount last month. I sent her the same amount. Why didn't she get the same amount that I sent her? So that's what piqued his interest years and years ago on cross-border payments and digital assets. And now here he is at R3 focused on digital assets. And he's very heavily involved in our CBDC working group and CBDC stuff here at R3. So that piqued my interest. And that was a really cool story of how he got here. How did your career and every step of every move that you've made to get into this emerging technology space, how did that happen? Because this is new. And a lot of people's stories are fascinating. Whether it's, oh, I was just interested in this crazy new thing called Bitcoin in 2012, or whether it was, you know, I, I had my medical records transferred from hospital after another, from my MRI, from this doctor, from that doctor, and I realized there's got to be a better way to do this. How did you get here? And that's what we're going to be focusing on for the foreseeable future. We're going to talk about stories. We're going to have people from our R3 team and outside of the R3 team in our ecosystem talk about how they got where they got today. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I'm also forcing Todd McDonald to come into the studio for every episode and kind of update us on what's going on in the space generally. So this is how the episode is going to run today. Todd McDonald, co-founder here at R3, he is going to join me for each episode in the foreseeable future to give us an update on what's going on in the space that we're in, an emerging technology space. We talk about stable coins and NFTs uh, this episode for his segment, and we talk about meta. We talk about a few different things, but he's very well versed on what is happening in the space. So I'm going to have him. It's an excuse to get him to, to hang out with me uh, every week or every other week. And then for the second part of the episode, we're going to start with Todd and how he got here, because I think his story is is a great story in that he is interested in this stuff. He, he was always learning up on the new trends and new technologies, and he was interested in Bitcoin and this and that. And, and spoiler alert, <laughs> his interest is what got him here. So we're starting off with two Todd sessions. Um, moving forward, it'll be Todd giving us the lowdown in the first uh, segment and then someone else from the R3 team or the R3 ecosystem explaining how they got here. So I hope you guys enjoy it. If you have any recommendations for people to join the podcast who have cool stories, I think everyone in the space has an interesting story, but uh, feel free to message me. You can always tweet at me at Bread and Rudder. Message me on LinkedIn, anywhere. Let's get to it.
Todd McDonald in the studio. Is it true that this is your first time being in the studio with me? You know, sadly, it's true, Catherine. That's really sad for me mm-hmm. because um, it's always my excuse to hang out with you. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, you really haven't been trying that hard. Well, I've, I'm this going is the first to... time I've seen this. Incredible. I, I know it. it is really nice. The yeah. one thing is that being in these studios, since they have to be um, very like airtight for the sound, yes, gets a little hot, and I'm in a sweater, so. Me too. Uh, but it's not too bad. It's a little bit better than the last one. It's well, bigger. It's less stuffy. It's bigger. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm going to hang out here more often. You should. Sometimes I open the door like, I hope no one's taking a nap in the studio. <laughs> oh, but no, I don't perfect. think. No one ever has. So. I'll be recording. Yeah, AKA I know. taking a nap. I was showing Nadia before because it's around Halloween time. Halloween mm-hmm. just passed. But I was showing Nadia before uh, the videos I used to take as Taylor Swift mm-hmm. for Halloween. Yes. And I would do it in the studio because I was too embarrassed to show true. other people. <laughs> Big hit with my family. Oh, yes. gosh. My claim to fame you can, with them. You can make some money on Cameo, I think. I mean, okay. Maybe I'll have to get the bangs back. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining me in, in all seriousness. Yes. Now with we're kind of shifting the um, the format of the podcast. And now you're going to be stuck with me in the studio Wait a sec- for I almost d- wait every a second. episode. I don't think I read the fine print on that email that <laughs> you sent. <laughs> little, mm. Very small, in white font. In white font, So you probably yes. didn't see it. But uh, yes, yeah, so hopefully we can get you in for recent news updates. You're very... Um, well read. Oh, thank you. On Go recent on. news. Yes. <laughs> so I also always learn something from talking mm-hmm. to you about what's going on. I appreciate company wide you send out updates like, hey, look at this article. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. Oh, right. So now this is the voice version uh, of your. I emails. love it. Even easier than that. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. very easy. Um, so now you have committed verbally <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to joining me for each podcast episode. So I'm going to explain to you how the episodes are going to okay. run. Let's okay. start with this one. Okay. So you are going to tell me things. I'm going to learn about recent news from you. Specifically, I know we're talking about stable coins and CBDCs. I want to ask you about Facebook. Um, then, yeah, write yeah. that okay. down. Okay, I got those You got two. those. And then um, the second aspect of the podcast, we're doing a little shift. Mm-hmm. People like to hear stories. People like to talk about themselves we as well both things uh, <laughs> both definitely things. true for me so <laughs> you don't have to right fast guy. forward through any part of this episode mm. you are the episode so we're going to start out with you todd and i'm just going to kind of ask a few questions i want to hear how you got here okay. um i think your story is obviously a very important one because you are a co-founder of r3 and what kind of got you to r3 mm-hmm. um and yeah, I think we're going to start off there. We're going to see how people like it. But all right, fingers crossed. First episode, all off Todd to a great start. Off to a great yes. start. And Beginning, every episode and now <laughs> after this one will be off to a great start, hopefully. Oh, dear. I don't want to jinx it. Okay. We'll but see. I have you here with me now, so one day at a time. <laughs> okay. So the uh, president's working group came out with a report. Long awaited. Can you tell me a little bit about the report, what came out of it, um, and all that jazz? It was definitely long awaited. We'll keep it brief. It's it's pretty, there's definitely a lot going on. Um, First, uh, shout out to our government relations team here at Mm -hmm. R3, Leslie Warren, uh, for her summary. Incredibly helpful, and I'll be liberally boring from that summary (laughs) in the next few (laughs) minutes. Um, So there's been, there was a lot of uh, interest in this report as, 
a bellwether for what the U.S. government may do when okay. it relates to stablecoins. So just as a really, really brief uh, sort of explainer on what a stablecoin is for, for what mainly what the President's Working Group is focused on, broadly speaking, these are stablecoins that have been created around the crypto ecosystem where where a dollar is put into a bank account and then a dollar coin is created on the back of that dollar, travels around a crypto network, and then it come, they come back to the imaginary window of the stablecoin issuer. They hand back their digital token and they get their dollar back. Yep. Right? So that's a stablecoin. Great way of explaining yeah. it. I have not heard <laughs> yes. an explanation like that. Okay. Okay. Um, now, clearly, there have been risks that have been bubbling up. Uh, stablecoins like Tether, where um, there was lots of questions on whether they actually had all the dollar bills in the bank account that they said that yeah. would equal the amount of tethers in circulation, um, and where the, the the government is getting concerned about is what are the risks to individuals? Mm-hmm. What are the risks to the financial system? So this is what this report was about. So the very short version is that uh, stablecoins generally, from the from the U.S. Sort of perspective, will fit into as much as possible existing regulation. Mm-hmm. So there's, we've been hearing uh, some reports that the SEC, especially Gary Gensler, who's uh, um, taken over the, the reins at the SEC, mm-hmm. would be kind of leading the regulatory charge on stablecoins. He's been quite vocal about crypto in general and specifically stablecoins. Um, one twist in this report was that they're handing, they're, they're empowering a group called the Financial Stability Oversight Council, or FSOC, is much cooler. Okay, I have yeah. to say, I feel like I'm in like a, a spy novel. We're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to go to FSOC for this. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're the ones that are going to be empowered. It's sort of like an umbrella organization. Okay. So there's going to be more oversight coming. Now, of course, this is these are recommendations that of rules that may be passed later. Mm-hmm. So nothing. It's not like everything's changed last week when this report comes out. Yeah. But generally speaking, they're really concerned about. Uh, the risks to the system of, uh, in effect, um, two things. One, you can imagine folks having these stable coins and then going back to the imaginary stable coin window and all of a sudden they can't get real good old American dollars back. That's yeah. one thing. Uh, and then secondly, risks to the system itself, sort of systemic risks across um, if, uh, if something had happened. I think actually sort of the third one is um, one of the challenges with stable coins is that you get to do things like KYC, anti-money laundering, uh, terrorist uh, checking for terrorist financing when the token is issued mm-hmm. and when someone comes back and tries to redeem it for a dollar. Mm-hmm. But all the transactions that happen in between, in between that, that okay. it's hard to kind of tell where it went, if it was used for bad things. And also, no one's really kind of figured out if a known terrorist, for example, comes back to uh, center, right, mm-hmm. which is USDC, and says, I have these USDT, USDC tokens, give me back some dollar bills. Mm-hmm. Would USDC, would Center say no because you're a terrorist? What would happen then? It's very, it, not, that actually hasn't happened yet. Wow. So there's things like that that they're concerned about. So a lot going to happen. There's a lot more detail behind that, but I think those are the big headlines. Wow. Yeah. A lot of things I also haven't thought about, uh, like terrorists. Um, yeah. But so that's fascinating. But also it, it shows like a very serious, obviously, consider, like thinking about this new world, which is great. It's great. So, so yes, it's they're thinking. Uh, the regulators are thoroughly thinking through the implications. Also, the big sort of I was going to say the meta point, but oh, <laughs> the no. big one. Sorry, I mean the <laughs> foreshadow. The big point here is that 
it's big enough to be considered systemically important. So it's a double-edged sword. Obviously, yeah. stablecoin issuers do not want to be considered systemically important institutions because that's kind of a world of pain. Mm -hmm. But the uh, the amount of stablecoins out there, the amount of interest in crypto, digital assets, and the ability for for money to truly become digital has become big enough that yeah. it might be considered systemically important. So the silver lining is, you know, the Feds may be sort of, uh, you know, pointing their gaze at these stablecoin issuers. That's a little bit scary. Yeah. But at least they care. At least they care. And also with regulators just paying more attention to mm -hmm. it. I I talked to Ricardo Correa um, at R3 here uh, about it. And he was like, we want the regulators to start getting involved. Like we want more attention to be drawn to what we're doing specifically with central bank digital currencies. Yes, um, definitely. And I think if if uh, things called stable coins now or digital currency if they're going to be used for business transactions, going to be used uh, um, in the existing financial system, uh, there's going to need to be rules of the road. Yeah. Uh, and it's at that balance that the regulators have to get right. Right. So there's uh, we need to have the right rules, but you can't stifle this innovation completely. Yeah. So getting that balance right. It's much different than what they're trying to do in Europe, where they're kind of trying to create new rules for, yeah. for these things. If you look at you know different regulations, digital currency and digital assets. The U.S. They might try to put it into the existing box. We'll see how it goes, but uh, definitely a lot more happening. Uh, the Fed themselves, the Boston Fed, there's a bunch of other reports that are going to be coming out over the next few weeks that mm -hmm. have been waiting for this to come out and clear the air a little bit. Oh, really? Talking about yeah, digital currency. Um, there's lots of stuff happening in the background. Yeah, that's fascinating. Also, uh, RGB Richard Gennel Brown spoke recently for mm -hmm. Parliament TV, which I thought was really cool. It was cool. amazing. And, he, and we actually found out he owns a tie. No, which... he doesn't own it. Oh, he what? borrowed it. He <laughs> borrowed it. Did he really? Yes. He tweeted at wow. me that he borrowed it. 100% <laughs> clip on. Same... <laughs> yeah. I said, I was like, you, RGB, you look sharp. He was like, I have to admit, I borrowed the tie. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know. I got a chuckle out of that. But yeah, that was really Cool. I'll link that in the um, yeah. bio of this episode for people who want to watch because that was very recently. It was yeah. last week or the yeah. week before. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just the beginning of, I mean, not necessarily the beginning. But it doesn't feel like the beginning. It does not feel No, like we've been at this for a while. For too long. <laughs> and like our No, not the years, podcast. I'm no, no. Just, yeah. And oh, just that, this face. feels a little long too, but, but, <laughs> but this whole effort, yeah. No, in our three years, they say, what, the company is six years old? Five, seven years, seven, seven years old. depends on how you define it. Seven, yeah. so it's like we're like a dog, pretty much. <laughs> I wouldn't sound again. No, guess that's how I feel. I feel like I've been here forever. <laughs> so that means, wait, so then then it's what 49 years old, then? Yeah, okay, all right, seven, seven times seven. Times seven. <laughs> is it <laughs> carry the one? I'm sure. I don't yeah. know. Thanks. I think cool. it checks out, checks out, checks out. Okay, all right. Wow. Well, I'm happy I don't have kids that I have to help with math homework because <laughs> I hesitated um, before I technically let you go, but I'm still going to keep you here to talk about yourself. Um, I wanted to get your opinion because I always like hearing your opinion, opinion on what Facebook is doing, mm -hmm. but specifically now they've- You mean meta? They, <laughs> yes. Meta. What are your thoughts about this new announcement? Well, I mean, I, I haven't really spent too much time on on the sort of the Facebook to Meta move. Mm -hmm. There's a couple ways to look at it. One, the cynical way is it's a way for people to stop saying Facebook so much and then move it to something that's different, mm -hmm. right? So obviously, Facebook as a term has become kind of a pejorative term generally. Mm -hmm. uh, so that would be the cynical take. I think the more optimistic one would be uh, this comes on the back of uh, of Microsoft also starting to talk about the metaverse for business. Mm -hmm. 
a few months back. And now with Facebook moving, obviously not on the enterprise side, but more on uh, the consumer side, it is an example of um, really squinting into the future and trying to get way ahead of, I mean, the, the metaverse as, as Zuckerberg and others are talking about it, doesn't exist the way they describe it today, but they can see a world where we're moving to digital being the default, Yeah, really. Um, so I think there's, um, there's definitely a lot of details to be fleshed out. I think it's, it is interesting when you start to think about a couple of years back when Facebook obviously started on the financial side more aggressively with mm-hmm. Libra to DM to, to Novi mm-hmm. uh, now with their wallet and they're rearranging all that under um, the Novi brand as well. You know, it's moving into the sort of like much more into the intangible. Uh, so they're going to be embracing uh, truly native, natively digital experiences, not just with the VR headsets, but in how, I guess, it's not even people, how people's avatars interact. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to be done. One one funny part to all this is there is a token. Oh, yeah. I heard about Meta. this. Okay. It continue. went up like a bazillion deep percent. I know. After, uh, after and it's the not name. affiliated. So, so it's not affiliated, and this does happen in the stock market. So, where if someone mistakes a name, yeah, uh, for something has, else, it happens all the time. Zoom, didn't happened it? with Zoom. There was okay. a ticker named Zoom and yeah. instead of ZM, which is the ticker. <laughs> but it is actually somewhat related because it's around. It is around uh, Decentraland yeah. and, in effect, buying real estate in the metaverse. Yeah, I mean, I went to so last night I went to a this NFT NYC event this week here mm-hmm. in New York, and I went to a dinner um, about. NFTs, I guess. And so I just, it was the weirdest, yeah. <laughs> it's the weirdest journey. And maybe I, like over two hours, just the amount of times that I thought it was incredibly interesting and complete and utter BS yeah. was like a hundred times. I was ping ponging between the two things. I feel that way a lot. Yeah. But I can't imagine sitting at that dinner. <laughs> Why? Because you'd be like, oh. no, I wouldn't have been. I, I, yeah, there's a weird balance with all of this, like people who are kind of onto something and then the crazies. Well, yeah. Well, I guess. And maybe some we'll, people are both. I'm well, probably both. Maybe we, something we can talk <laughs> about in the next segment. Uh, yes. You know, it is the, you starting, there's different phases within crypto and at the bleeding edge of this crypto stuff, the types of folks that get in early, it is a mix of mm-hmm. all sorts. Yeah. Yes. That's fair. Yeah. Do you think that this announcement was a little too Early, like I feel like there's still so much to flesh out. I mean, is it too early? Uh, well, any large corporate, especially someone like Facebook slash Meta, they have their own plans, their own timelines, yeah, and then yeah. external events uh, necessitate things moving a little bit more quickly. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe they wanted to wait a little bit. Um, the other big thing is like you have to keep in mind: Mark Zuckerberg controls the company, full stop, right? Yeah. He he has all the voting power. The board is kind of there to suggest things, but he can make any decision he wants. Mm-hmm. And he clearly believes in this wholeheartedly. And he is an, he's an incredible product guy. Yeah. For <laughs> for good or ill, yeah. he creates really compelling products. So That's fair. he feels 100% behind this, really passionate about it. Uh, it's we'll freaky see. to me. I think I didn't get to talk to you about mm. this because you were day two of Corticon wrap up. Shout out to Corticon. Um, it's the gift that keeps giving really because there's so much content that comes out of it but on day one there was a and I recently reshared this because people are talking about the metaverse now more um, because of Facebook or meta Um, there was a a presentation in person day one and um, this woman was talking about the metaverse and Mm -hmm. it was kind of my first 
immersive experience not immersive because I wasn't (laughs) but like I was actually like really thrown into this idea and had to sit down and think about what a future metaverse would look like Mm -hmm. and it was super jarring Mm -hmm. but fascinating for me at the time of Corticon and and then I felt like I didn't think about it much yeah until now again until now. it's coming back so I think actually I urge people to watch you can watch back Corticon sessions that one is a specific one that kind of is relevant for people who are also kind of don't really know that much about it yeah, but if you think about like talking about Microsoft we have been forced to be to be living in a our three metaverse for the past year and a half, pretty much. Obviously, now we're in person, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. But for you know, for a long period of time, everything was virtual. So that yeah. that's an example of that trying to, to collaborate. That's fair. So right? maybe it's not even not to. I just keep on thinking like, are we really there yet? And that's why I kind of think of it being a little early. It's, it's but it's because we're over the hill. I we guess we are. We, we can't grok it. Wow. Well, I always learn something with you, Todd. So thank you for joining me in the studio. I will. Talk to you in about five seconds. Okay, great. (laughs) I look forward to it. Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. I didn't see you there. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow, it's so nice to have you back in the studio yes, with it's me. It's like I never left. It's like you never left. Yes. Well, you are here today because I want to talk about how you got here. Um, our th- there, it's a long story, mm. so I'm sure we can uh, go through everything. Tell me about your childhood. <laughs> it all started in 1974. <laughs> no, I know. So what led you to R3, but specifically how your interests in your career kind of got you here. So okay, uh, feel free to start whenever you want. If you <laughs> no, want to start so, in your childhood, if you want no, to start no, no, later no. on. <laughs> so uh, so I think as as you had mentioned, uh, getting stumbling into the sort of the the blockchain or blockchain adjacent space <laughs> usually there is a story behind it yeah. um so my story is that uh in 2012 i was uh, at my in-laws house okay. and they have they were they i think they still are subscribers to the new yorker and they just stacks of new yorkers everywhere and so i was trying to like have a little me time in their house so yeah. i found a magazine and i you know hid in the upstairs they're lovely people, by the way. So if they're listening to this, <laughs> I get it. Though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was reading this article, and it was about who is Satoshi. I think it was October 2012. I was like, okay. "This is crazy, fat." And you know, when you get into a New Yorker article, you're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe how long this is." Yeah. And then I read it all in one sitting, so it was a really good article. Um, didn't really think much of it, and then uh, around February 2013, I had I had escaped the world of foreign exchange mm-hmm. FX, <laughs> and I was looking around at different stuff, and I saw bitcoin on the news and i checked it out and i looked at it as a currency mm-hmm. purely as a currency i was trading on my own account and doing other stuff and i looked at this thing and i was like oh my god this is the greatest chart i've ever seen honestly i was like almost weeping it was so beautiful <laughs> and it was like a, around 150 dollars something like that and so i was like oh i should buy this this is crazy and then that was february march i couldn't figure out how to buy bitcoin really this is february 2013 the only way you can do it is if you met someone on like a reddit board local bitcoins or something and either met them in person Mm -hmm. or did something like through just completely strangers on the internet yeah and as that 
I wasn't going to do that. It took me till August, I think, to figure out how to buy Bitcoin. Coinbase wasn't around really? and stuff. Yeah, it took me a while. It's embarrassing a little bit, but you have to remember it's back then. Yeah. The good part about that was that over those next four or five months, I was so annoyed at myself that I started trying to read up, read up on it all. And I kind of accidentally started reading the internet about sort of Bitcoin, blockchain, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so what brought me to this space and what attracted me was clearly like it's a thing that's moving around in high volatility and it was exciting to trade as a speculative asset. Yeah. But as I started reading about it and then started to ask other people that I knew had started to get interested in the space, it reminded me of when I started my career in, in, uh, in FX. So I really, really loved for a long period of time what I used to do for a living. Yeah. Every day was uh, filled with interacting with high energy, uh, smart, curious people. Mm-hmm. And it was very global. So I had a job that I would talk to every day. People in our London office, people in our Singapore office, uh, people all around the globe. And yeah. it was so dynamic and mostly positive. Over the years, it became much less so uh, yeah. for various reasons. And especially back in 2013, at least, Bitcoin in that whole space was high energy and very optimistic. Yeah. So it was amazing. And it was also just really hard to understand anew. I, so I think we were talking a little bit before about uh, NFTs. I, I had this experience quite a bit where you get into stuff within sort of crypto and the areas, related areas. And the first time I hear about something, I have a hard time understanding it. Then I think it's utter bullshit. And mm-hmm. then after a while, I'm like, oh, I either kind of get it or I'm like, that's incredible. And I become like totally like behind what the concept is. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's an incredible space to be in. Yeah. Yeah. So that was sort of how, how it got started and interested. And then, let's see. So then R3 itself, um, the short version is uh, David Rudder, our CEO. He and I were sharing an office a couple of days a week, um, okay. doing a couple of different things. And, uh, you know, one day I was like, oh, Rudder, you should, you should really, uh, if you have some time, I wanted to talk to you about this Bitcoin thing. He's like, oh, we got too much going on. You know, we got big commercial deals here. Forget it. It's ridiculous. I'm like, oh, okay. And then uh, a couple months later, um, there was Bitcoin finally broke out. So it went from 150, 200 bucks to, uh, to like $1,200. What year is this? This was November, 2013. Okay. And he saunters into the office. He's like, do you have half an hour to talk about Bitcoin? I was like, oh, okay. I can <laughs> really? talk to you about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, so we started, you know, talking about it and then, um, just started kind of following different conversations. Yeah. Um, our first business plan before our three, we were going to create a non-deliver forward Bitcoin exchange. Um, this is like March of 2014, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it was definitely a really good idea. It <laughs> turns out. Um, but we didn't think that the regulation would be there in order for us to do it the way we wanted to do it, which was probably true. Yeah. And we didn't think the market would be big enough for it to be worth the effort. Now okay. we were clearly wrong about that, but <laughs> but business is very much about having the the right ideas at the right time. Yeah, and people forget, I think, that either have come into the space through the ICO boom in 2017 or come into it recently. Yeah. Uh, after Mt. Gox sort of blew up in 2014, there was a sort of 16 or 18 month long crypto winter yeah. back then, where not only were prices down, but nothing happened. Yeah. So Bitcoin didn't move. Yeah. And everyone was super depressed. It was like a really, really depressing time in the Bitcoin space. Lots of companies didn't didn't make it. 
So even though we had a really good idea, we definitely wouldn't have stuck it out. So that's at least what I I tell myself. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's all about the, like you said, the right idea at the right time. Yes. Um, And it sounds like that was not at the time. So then Mm -hmm. what, so then that's 2014. 2014, yeah. And so then uh, let's, we had, um, we were just interested to find out what other people thought because we were trying to learn. And by the time we spoke to the third bank in the summer of 2014, and we heard the same thing, which was, this is interesting. I don't 100% know why it's interesting. Yeah. So I'd like to learn more. And also, it would be great to hear what my peers think. Well, that's where I feel that David Rudder Mm -hmm. kind of could be of value to the banks in a way. And obviously, he was because... Mm -hmm. Just like them, he too didn't fully understand, but was mm-hmm. interested. On the journey. Yeah, On the journey. Definitely. On the journey. And I think what's important is having the right grounding in financial markets and how they work. So yeah. you fast forward to like today and there's a ratio and I never know exactly what the right ratio is where all this crazy stuff's happening in crypto and most of it is completely ignoring all of financial history. Yeah. Uh, so it's good to have some... Uh, knowledge of actually how markets have worked or work today. But it's also good to have that naivete as well because you just try a bunch of things that other people would think would be stupid. Yeah. And if you try enough things, eventually some of them kind of pan out. Yeah. But there still needs to be that balance around, okay, things work this way for a reason. Here's some new stuff. How do we get the sort of, I don't know, the chocolate and the peanut butter together into the Yeah. I feel too that now we are kind of – we're almost like more aligned with our 2016 versions of ourselves that are three in a way of like trying to that as a startup, you obviously there are ebbs and flows mm-hmm. and there's you, you have to figure out the direction. And I don't know any of that stuff. Um, <laughs> and that's not my job to know. <laughs> but it seems like the, the capital markets, like expertise and all that stuff is something that we've had from like the start. Mm-hmm which has proven to be valuable, especially today with our, our focuses. Um, yeah, definitely. But I, and it's something that not everyone had right. at the time and now. But, you know, because this stuff did start. So we we kind of announced R3 in September 2015. And then there's this event called Cybos, which is a big industry event in October of 2015 in Singapore. Yeah. We didn't attend, but in effect, the blockchain topic dominated everything. It was just like yeah. all... In 2015? 2015. Nice. And so back then was the beginning of people trying to get their heads around all this. Mm-hmm. And in particular, you've been thinking about this a lot lately, that's when market infrastructure started building and doing and testing mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. And now that's why they're ready today to be bringing things live, putting real money, investment, and attention behind uh, these transformation projects across market infrastructure, which you're seeing everywhere with stuff we're working on, our, yeah. some of our peers, competitors are working on. It's because it started five years ago. Now yeah. they're kind of ready, not only for understanding the technology, but having all the bosses and the board yeah. behind it. Yeah, which is obviously one of the most important thing things. But so at what state, mm-hmm. because at first when everyone was learning, when you were learning and you mm-hmm. were teaching people in the space as yeah. well, um, at what point? point were you and David Rudder and and others at the company like oh shit we need to build this thing ourselves like we need to build a blockchain <laughs> oh that well uh so so we did so when we we, we kind of had these we had three round tables September December May in 2015. So 2014 to 15 okay um 
And that by the third one, that's when we thought, okay, let's make this an official company. And, you know, most banks thought it was a good idea at the time, but they were like, okay, good luck. Come back, <laughs> come back to us when you have enough, uh, you know, interest in this and, and yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll probably support you. Which is fair. Which is fair. Um, and kind of like I was talking about that naivete, mm-hmm. like we had that too. It was, a, it was kind of, we were, if, if I look back on it now, knowing what we had to go through and a few of the times where we almost had turned the lights out on the company way back in 2015, yeah. 16, you know, I don't know if we would have had the stomach to go through what we did to yeah. kind of get the company started. So you need that just sort of blind faith and naivete to start it. Um, and we, speaking of timing, we got dumb, just dumb luck was we hit this sort of mini zeitgeist of blockchain interest and we're able to tap into that. Yep. And then run really, really hard to catch up to that with things that we can actually show uh, and deliver. So then Corda was, the first line of code for Corda was uh, October 2015. Mm -hmm. And then we did a, Experiment with Barclays 2016 on interest rate swaps. And mm-hmm. at the same time, ran a Slack poll for the name for Corda. I remember. Yeah. So I was full time when. I think it when... was nine votes won the vote. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, yeah. I remember when, when the logo was being picked. I was full time at that, at that point. And thank goodness the logo I voted for didn't win. I remember at bad. the time how bad of a decision you made. You do? Yes. Really? I was like, wow, Catherine, my. I'm a creative my, person. Mm, it's like, I'm surprised by myself, but I can't believe I rem- you remember I totally that. remember that. Oh my God. Huh. Okay. Well, I'm still mean, trying to, I, you know. We made, I know, I'm still trying to make up for it, yeah. but we we made a good decision in the end. Thank God I was not uh, a yeah, part of that. No, um, but yeah, and I, I actually today was talking about, so Corda Open Source was what uh, you were just referring to, and then Corda Enterprise coming out. November 2016, Corda Open Source. July 2018, Corda Enterprise. July 2018 yeah. was a tough time was for it? me. But work. <laughs> oh, okay. But work was, we were so busy with Corda Enterprise mm-hmm. and get bringing that to market. And Sarah Hale, my boss, head of marketing here, she had come on and, and we were bringing Corda Enterprise to market and it was so exciting. I was talking uh to nadia who is in the studio with us producing the podcast um i was talking to her earlier about how we launched it before uh-huh. uh business time uk so we yeah. were in the office at 1 a.m oh my gosh and uh, i was so exhausted it was like my first uh real breakdown um <laughs> when it came to 4 p.m the next day your girl was 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 uh trying to go home but uh it was such exciting times and that was the launch of Corda enterprise yeah and such like a fond memory and in, you know in what? my short We're career. We're just at the beginning. We're just at the beginning. Yeah. But I look at all the stuff that we've done um, since then, and, and things have changed a lot since mm-hmm. then. But it's so nice looking back on those times. It is. Yeah, it is nice. Do you look back on your time in the Enzo office with no windows fondly? Uh, that t- so, yes. Yes, I do. For listeners, the the company before it was really a company we were as an intern and we were in a windowless conference room. Yep. Uh, we had two, we did have a Enzo. second conference room, yes. which was Many a table ones. with four chairs and it really should have fit a single person. Yeah. And instead of phones, we used a Bluetooth speaker and our cell phones yes. because uh, yeah. there were no fo- cell phones in there or there were no. All we had, and yeah. And, and I remember you guys painting the, the walls with the yeah. whiteboard paints. Sarah and Lynch had, and I painted the walls. And we had a, it was a very simple board. It said, yes, no, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was it. Yeah. yeah, and then I hung a, a bathroom shower curtain between 
the conference room we worked in and the bathrooms so that you guys didn't have to look at the bathroom that signs. Is totally Do you remember that? True. Yeah. That was oh my, my solution. A shower curtain between them. Oh my God. Yeah. Business by Ikea. It's perfect. Yeah. It was great. So I look back on all those times very fondly. Yes. Um, and I know you have to run. I do. I do have to go. But it was lovely talking to you. And I like having kind of, obviously, I love hearing about people's stories and how you got to where you are today. But particularly your story, when I think about the way that you and <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong, but the way that you've been in the space, like, I feel like you're, you have been, and you currently are kind of like an educator. Uh, Well, I think, Part of it way, is like so. You've... So part of it is that there's a ridiculous amount of things that happen around yeah. what we do, and it's really hard to number one try and keep up. Yeah. Number two, know what to keep up with, and then number three, if you are trying to keep up, make sense of it. Yeah. So one of the ways that it's it's sort of a like I'm cheating. Like if I try to explain to somebody else, it forces me to understand it better. Yeah. Um, like last week, I was uh, last week I did a guest lecture. And one of the topics that they wanted to cover was automated market makers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's no problem. And then it was like the day before, I was like, I, I know how they work, but can I explain it? Yeah. And so I had to I had to sit down, turn off my notifications and like read Uniswap documentation and like draw diagrams to yeah. make sure I can and then explain it to other people. You know, they say like explain like like I'm five years old. That's, yeah, yeah. Doing that is incredibly helpful. So it's more just me to process it all because it's a ridiculous amount of stuff. Yeah. And you know, 90% of it is noise. So yeah, which is why I will uh, accept your thanks for having you on the podcast <laughs> I moving feel, forward. So I you... feel like I have been hoodwinked a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, I think you've I'm used, just taking advantage. I think of you've you. used my ego against me. I have, sir. It took you about 45 minutes to realize. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next episodes with you teaching me things. And thank you for being the first person on our well, how we got here segment it of is, Life in the Fast Chain. It is an honor and it is my pleasure. And that's it from me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Fast Chain. Keep an eye out in the next few weeks for more episodes on how we got here. Bye!